do I have anybody in the audience who would like to do public comment? I see some head, head shaking, so we will proceed. Thank you. Okay. And the next item on the agenda is the approval of minutes for the school committee retreat meeting on August 8th, 2021. I'm looking at my agenda on this one. I'm sorry, August 11th, 2021, my apologies. And the uh, regular meeting minutes for September 9th and October 7th, 2021. Do I hear a motion to approve? So moved. And I may approve, so we hear a second. Second tonight. Tim Knight, and all in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. My um, date keeper has uh, told me that it is actually the seventh. I don't know why we're having, I'm having a hard time with this, but I apparently can Okay. Um, and then the October minutes were the seventh or the ninth? So then the regular seven. meeting minutes from October 7th. Okay. And then the regular meeting minutes from September. No, regular no. minutes from October 7th. Retreat, August 11th. Yes. And regular meeting October 7th. Okay. Right. Because we did. I'm so sorry. And then the executive session. Yes. And then the executive session. Okay. So just to make sure that we're clear on that, because I always like us to know exactly what we're is we're voting for. Uh, the school committee retreat meeting on August 11th, 2021, and the regular meeting minutes for October 7th. And um, and that's it. Right. Thank you. <laughs> so do I? Uh, do we continue to have an approval for that for that motion? Okay. Thank you very much. So, uh, and we all unanimously approved, right? Okay. I'm getting it. Okay. So, do I hear a motion to approve and retain the executive session minutes for the August 11th and October 7th meetings? Approve and retain. I said approve yeah. and retain. Okay. Yes. Uh, so moved. Okay, Leo moves and uh, and uh, do I hear a second? A second, Megan Glenn. Megan Glenn, okay. And then all in favor? Aye. 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 Okay, the motion passes unanimously and we will table September 9th to our next meeting for the executive session. All right, uh, speeding right through right now, we're actually on to new business. And that is uh, the high school opening report as well as the NEASC accreditation report. All right, so. So we have um, Robert, Stephanie, and Brenda here tonight. Great. I know they'll be taking turns during this presentation, but Robert's gonna kick us off. Perfect, thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you, good to see you in person. Yeah, I feel like it's been a while. Um, so I'm very pleased uh, to be here tonight to talk a little bit about our opening. Um, I'm not sure if you look at the calendar, but we've now been in school for two months. So uh, just flying by. And certainly, I think we'd all agree that we're in a much better spot than we were 12 months ago. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about our opening. And as Dr. Marsden said, we'll, um, we'll also go into NEAP and give you an update in terms of where we are with the report there and some of their findings. Um, but talking about you know the high school here, I, I call it the kind of health, the healthy, crazy business. In fact, uh, we've got a lot of things happening at school and it's exciting to get all our activity back. Uh, Brenda is going to talk a little bit about some of the activities and some of what she's been working with students. Um, but we are close to almost business as usual. And I think that um, uh, we're all very, very pleased about that. 
Um, so just a, a few updates and some activities that are happening. So our fall feeder is well underway. Uh, it's called the Wrinkle in Time, a production that's going to be happening in a couple of weeks in front of a live audience. So our students are very excited about that. So be on the lookout for opportunities to go uh, and watch our students perform. Um, our music department hosted two concerts last week, also in front of parents and families. So that's exciting as well. Um, sports begin playoffs this week, uh, girls and boys soccer, uh, girls volleyball, field hockey have all qualified for the state playoffs. Uh, our golf team just finished third in the state finals last week, and our boys and girls cross country teams are getting ready uh, for their postseason league. So there's a lot happening here at school. Uh, last Friday, we held our first pep rally in two years at the high school. Um, we held an outside pep rally, which we've never done before, and I think that uh, the consensus was it was nice. It was nice outside, a little colder than we wanted. Um, Only if you're from LA. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> the rest of us are fine. He was cold. You were bundled up. Yeah. We'll definitely look at that going forward in terms of an outdoor event. It just gave us a lot more space. I uh, gave the host, the students, a lot more space to, um, for their activities. So um, we were able to use the field for some of the events. So it, it really worked out well. So we're possibly looking at uh, a possible shift to. Uh, to more of an outside event uh, going forward. Um, and I want to thank our student council advisors. They did a lot of work in prep and putting that together for uh, for the school celebration. Um, so it was just nice to get our group together, um, the entire learning community for the first time in a couple of years. Um, our challenge success team will be meeting soon, and Chris Heron will be returning to Medford High School in February to work with our juniors and seniors. Um, Obviously, the big item for us this year has been the new schedule. Um, we're now two months into our schedule, and I'm pleased where we are. As I told you know, our staff here, every year it's a, it's a challenge to get our freshmen transitioned into the building with a new schedule, and this year we have to do it for all four grades. Uh, we knew it would be a lot of work, it would be a little messy to begin with, but as we're two months in, um, like I said, I'm very pleased with where we are. Um, we've made a couple of adjustments already to our schedule, and I think our students are beginning to settle in. Uh, for the most part, the teachers are finding the 67 minutes to be uh, a good time for time frame for the curriculum. As you recall from our old schedule, we had certain days that were 43 minute periods and others were 90. So now we've gone to 67 minute periods and that seemed to um, settle in well for everyone. Um, the big change, of course, is flex. For those of you who have students at the high school, you've probably heard a lot about that. Uh, just a quick overview again, flex happens five times over the course of an eight day cycle. Um, and each flex, what we did, and when we presented it to you last year, I'm not sure if we were um, this far along, but what we decided to do was divide the flex period into two periods. The 67-minute time frame can be long for some of what our students needed, so students have the option of breaking the 67 minutes in half, so seeing one teacher the first half of flex and another teacher the second half of flex. They can see a teacher for the entirety of the flex. They can do a study and then go see a teacher. They can see a guidance counselor in there. So there's a lot of, um, I guess, pun intended flexibility um, uh, that goes along with it. And that's really the design of it, is to really give our students opportunities to make choices, to determine what is it they, they need. Um, you know, the after-school help is still there um, on a more limited basis, but we know that our students always struggle with that. So many activities, um, some of our students work and trying to get, um, you know, the help that they needed after school was, was challenging for some of our students and families. So to be able to have that time now, five times over the course of an eight-day cycle during the school day um, has been great. Um, as I've mentioned, we've made a few adjustments along the way uh, 
for example, this learning space, which we redesigned this summer. Um, it doesn't quite do it justice with the school committee set up, but it's a really fantastic place for our students. Um, our students are really excited about it. They like to come here and, and do work during um, during flex, but the, the number of students who wanted to use it exceeded the number of spaces that we had. So we had to make some changes. It was, um, you know, our students have a day, uh, day one where they sign up for the flex classes. Well, this was gone. Like it was almost like Red Sox tickets when they go on sale. And within 30 seconds, it was booked for the week. Um, so we were hearing from students as, gosh, I want to get in there, but I, I just can't get in there. So we made an adjustment uh, over the last week or so where we've asked students to only book themselves for one time in here during the cycle. So what we're starting to see are just different faces in here, which is good. And students have commented that they enjoy the, 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 the having access to the library now. So right. can you just ex expand a little bit on how students get to pick during Flex, with how, how that's done? Yeah, so, uh, so we still have advisory in Flex. So if you remember our advisory program that we used to have, um, that is still happening. So on the first day of the cycle is sort of called flex one. Every flex one, our students determine where they're going to be for their other four flexes for that cycle. So students can choose to go sign up to see their math teacher. They can go choose to come to the library. They can go choose to see a guidance counselor, um, come down to the main office. So they sort of plan out their entire cycle. What, one of the uh, pieces of advice that we heard from other schools was, to sort of keep it at one cycle at a time, if you will, because you don't want to book, you don't want students really booking too far ahead. If you think about eight days, eight days, eight days can be almost two weeks of school. So, and even, you know, when talking to students, even getting towards that end of the cycle is challenging to book the week before. So we do give the students ability to change some of their um, assignments, you know, later on in the cycle if they realize, oh, I don't need to see a teacher now. Um, and vice versa, if they do realize that towards the end of the cycle, they need to see somebody that they didn't sign up for on day one, they can do that as well. Uh, at the same time, teachers can also request to see students, guidance counselors can request to see students. So this was all the work that we really didn't have time for. Um, guidance counselors had to see students during class or sometimes during lunch, so we didn't have that built in. And as I mentioned earlier, students really only had an opportunity to see teachers for the most part after school. So again, having that time during the school day has been really beneficial um, to them. Um, so one piece of information that has been helpful for us or a, a data source for us has been students. So we talked to them, we asked them questions. Like as I told the faculty, one of the nice things about Flex is we sort of control it here and we're gonna adjust and modify as need be at some point down the road. We're going to open up different um, opportunities for students throughout the building. And a lot of that's just going to come from students' feedback. So uh, a week or two ago, we sent a survey out to students just to get a sense of how they were using Flex, particularly in how the new schedule was working. So Brenda's going to talk a little bit about sort of those data results, um, as well as um, just some of the activity work she's doing. And before she comes up, and I know it's sort of a formal introduction, um, Brenda's been an, an incredible um, addition to our, our community here, if you haven't had a chance to meet her yet. Um, her perspective on things and sort of her experience has really helped shape a lot of what we're doing with our new schedule. So we're super excited to have her on board. She's done some great work with us over the summer. So uh, it's my pleasure to, I guess, formally introduce Brenda Hagen as one of our students at school. She's gonna talk a little bit about the survey work. So. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Hello
Um, so a little bit about the um, the flex survey. So we uh, we surveyed about 500 students completed the survey, um, and just I'll just give you some kind of general highlights. So overall, as you heard when the students presented last time, they they said they're very satisfied with the flex schedule, the new schedule. Um, they like the rotating classes um, that allow teachers and students both to have a break, not see every class every day. They might have two nights to do their homework, you know, for a class. Um, teachers like that they can um, can plan a little longer class, but also have a little more time for preparation for those other classes that don't meet every day. Um, some students say that 67 minutes feels a little long. <laughs> you know, we have our middle schoolers who are last year, I think, had 35 minute classes, but ninth graders last year. Um, so it's a, just it's something to think about. <laughs> Um, the data shows the students are using Flex in a variety of ways. So we were, we were wondering, you know, are most kids staying in their home Flex or, you know, what are they doing? So it shows um, they're using the writing center, they're coming to the library, they're seeing their guidance counselor, they're going to a college information session, uh, they're studying. <laughs> Only 10% of students said that they had never, they have never left their home Flex. Um, and then, like Robert was saying, we made some changes based on um, some student and staff feedback. But the library, um, the, the students also wanted to open up the senior lounge. So we did that. So we have a small, uh, limited number of spaces in the senior lounge during flex. Um, some of them are just kind of doing their homework together. It's a nice little small space um, for them to hang out. Um, students also want expanded choices for flex. So, um, like Robert was saying, in the future we might open up the track. Um, seniors want some senior privileges. We need to think about that. That was that was heard loud and clear also in the survey. <laughs> um, so I, I, overall, you know, I think it's 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 a win. The flex and then the rotating schedules. Kids are saying that their stress is lower. Um, this is just anecdotally, you know, talking to students. Um, so I know we've talked a lot about flex. So I just want to talk about a couple other things. So advisory kind of goes together with flex. It meets about once a month. The, um, the planning committee for advisories uh, are uh, Lisa Deluzio, one of our guidance counselor, and Perry Oasis, one of our social studies teachers, and um, Heather Mendoza and myself. So we meet regularly to talk about advisory. And you know the, the theme, or the, um, I guess, the, I don't know if it's a theme, but it's like the focus of advisory this year. We're calling it uh, reconnect, reflect, rebuild, all the kind of re, like starting over. <laughs> Um, so, you know, the re-engage. So September and October, we're focused on reconnecting. So, um, you know, brand new advisories, new mix of people. So a lot of icebreakers getting to know activities. Um, re-engaging, they had a very successful um, scavenger hunt uh, last week. Um, so uh, we asked students and staff for feedback um, to refine our advisory program. So there's a student advisory student advisory committee to advisory um, and uh, we also um, sent out a survey to teachers so it's 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 funny because the the challenges and the suggestions for future advisory really was um, students and teachers had similar things to say um, so they both said that the top challenges of advisory um, are like separating advisory from flex so you know there's it's the same group of people it's the same adults same kids but it really has a different focus. So um, while flex is more academically focused, um, advisory is really more social emotional. So um, finding ways to, you know, students feel pressure to get work done. So some students want to get their work done during advisory. So really trying to like carve out that space for advisory so that it's advisory and not flex. Um, and kids are saying that being in a, in a classroom still feels like class. So maybe thinking about ways to kind of take out the slideshows, do something a little different. 
Um, so suggest some suggestions for future activities, really like the teachers and students kind of said the same things, which I thought was great. Um, activities with movement, going outside, uh, having structured competition between advisories, which is where that scavenger hunt came from. Um, promoting school spirit by uniting the student body on shared activities. Uh, facilitating conversation on school-wide topics, maybe a current event or something happening in school. Uh, opportunities to meet with a grade level above or below them for advice or discussion. Uh, there are a lot of things here, but post-assembly uh, post discussions, targeting supports for ninth graders, future planning. So um, a lot of good data um, as we, we plan the next eight advisories and continue to see feedback and ways to fine-tune the re-engaging, reconnecting. Um, yeah, very fun, but I'll get all, all great feedback, I thought. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is just the clubs. Um, we have uh, over 33 clubs represented at our club fair in September. Um, kids are super excited to get back into their clubs. Um, they want to connect with each other. They want to get back to feeling, you know, quote unquote normal. Um, we have a few new clubs, a couple of new clubs, um, but a few new clubs um, that have partnered with local organizations and that are very kind of giving back to the community focus. So just I'm getting a sense kids want to connect, they want to get back, they want to feel that community. We have three new clubs. One's called Family Promise. Uh, the other ones are Dignity Matters and Medfield Community Cares. Um, something to explore further that I've been talking with Just Safer, the student council advisor, is about um, expanding our idea of what student leadership means to the school. Um, we have a lot of very, very strong student leaders. So really trying to harness that energy, unifying the school and thinking about what, what do we want student leadership to look like um, going forward. So. Um, and just the last thing I'll say, you know, last week was Spirit Week. Um, it started with School Colors Day or the Class Colors Day. You guys did an amazing job <laughs> decorating the hallways for morning school spirit. It started with like, this kind of class identity and it ended with Blue and White Day, Medfield Friday. And I, I just, I really felt like um, school was starting to feel normal again. And the kids were so excited. They pulled off an amazing pep rally. Um, and it just, it felt like not only a celebration of fall sports and athletics, but also just a celebration of like being together as a community again. So um, overall, my first couple of months here have been super positive. So happy to be here. So thank you for your time and happy to take any questions. Sorry, what was that first club, Brenda? Oh, a family promise? Yeah, who's that? It's, um, a, they're, uh, it's a student who um, volunteers with this organization to help uh, homeless Okay, nice. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm working on saving the website with all of the new clubs. It's still in progress. <laughs> well, I've appreciated um I've appreciated even the tone of your emails oh. and, and your your note, your frequent communication. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I just had a question about um you said you surveyed the students about how they use Flex and, and what their thoughts are. Was there any sort of um data gathered from teachers. I, I would just like to see how it's affecting them. Yeah, so um, the first couple weeks of school, we, we sent out um, a survey that was like about the tweaking of Flex. So we got their input in terms of, you know, um, it was a lot about like how to use it, you know, yeah, about the right. app and all of that. Right. Um, so it so might maybe be time revisiting to later on. What's that? And maybe revisiting in the semester to see like, you know, that yeah, impact absolutely. it's had on you know learning or 
Yeah, great to get data about yeah. you know how many students they're seeing. Right. So we've had we've anecdotally talked about it in faculty meetings, but yeah, okay. And I know the uh, the the application that we're using called my and that's been really big in terms of us being able to track where students are not only during the day but also see patterns, see where they're going, see what they're seeing. So their advisory teacher can actually look at a list of their students to see their activity during. Uh, during flex and make some suggestions as well. Um, but the the app itself, um, which is new to us, a couple of schools that have done programs like this have recommended it. And uh, that's been really, uh, really important for us just to be able to monitor where students are. I know that just meeting with a, a teacher the other day, she was saying that, you know, she had reached out to a family and a great piece of data was that she's like, well, I'm looking at, at his my flex learning. He has only one to see me once, and we can track some of that information. So just the data is really helpful, not only knowing where students are, which is important during the school day at every moment, but um, but also just being able to just see patterns. And you know, again, we got some of that information which uh, we use to kind of make some of the adjustments in our work. So it's been really helpful for us. Um, I had a question. You said that flex is more academic. Oriented. What about like um, organizational or any because that kind of bridges somewhere between academic and SEL, but that seems like it might be a good workshop. Or you mean like in terms of executive functions? Yeah, I think in the more executive functioning or things like that, that's kind of a rolling place you can go. Is anything like that offered? Yeah, well, we do have something called the Academic Success Center, and so students can go see and get some help there as well um, during flex period. And again, I think. With a lot of these programs are so new to our students, I think they're all just trying to figure out their way towards these areas. They can, you know, go to the writing center and, and seek out other sources as well. So, um, and obviously the guidance counselor. I mean, I've been, you know, seeing the guidance or any other support staff during that time. Um, school psychologists, adjustment counselor, all of those folks are accessible during that time. They don't have uh, advisors, so they are available during the flex period. So. Um, that's going to change for us because our guidance counselors and others had their own advisory that we needed them freed up to be available to students. So now students can go to them during that time. And I think that, you know, we talked a lot about the flex, is, it's going to grow. The options are going to grow. As Brenda said, you know, I think we're going to get to a point where students can choose that they're in good standing and they don't have anything where they need to go for a walk. They can go walk around the track for 30 minutes so they can go down the way to the workout. Um, you know, some of our musicians might be able to access some of the tutorials. So we're I think we're just still getting comfortable with the idea of flex and the, and the movement of students, but um, I do think there's going to come a time uh, before the school year is over where we we'll open up more options for students during that time. And like anything, they're busier, as you know from your, your kids, there are busier times of the year than others. So um, as we start getting towards the end of terms and you know right before holidays, things get a little busy. So I imagine students will be spending a lot of time with teachers. And then when we get on the other side of that, students have a little bit of downtime, so I think they'll access some of those other um, places uh, as well. So um, we'll gonna try to open up some things, you know, hopefully before the, uh, the year's over. One of the, um, I'm sorry, uh, one of the things that Carrie and Brenda and the other student um, uh, class your representatives, we met a few weeks ago after our first student advisory meeting, and we'll meet here again in December, but we kind of put together a little bit of a schedule around how we can restructure that time. And one of the things that really came up was one kind of being able to go back in like maybe in February when they meet and we reflect on what the schedule and the flex and everything else looks like 
once we've gotten through most of the year, because I think we spent a lot of time kind of discussing about how kids come in. Um, but it's also uh, one of the things that I, I was really impressed by um, when I met with, with Brenda and with the rest of the, the kids and the students is that um, they were so very focused on the idea of mental health and SEL for everybody and making that, uh, and this was so self-generating, I, I love that we'll talk about in December, uh, talking about how kids can get access to kind of support before they even really need support with the big capital S. But how do you find that advisory? Who is that trusted adult? You know, it's not somebody you just sit with in flex and meet once a month, but how do you realize that that person, you know, how does your advisory leader communicate that to you? And how do you communicate that to your advisory leader that that, that is a trusted adult that you can talk to? that can get you in the right place, you know, kind of those connections, which I thought was a really, um, it taught me a lot about advisory and kind of the point of, of where you guys are trying to go in terms of SEL. And one of the other reflections I've heard um, is that the flex period does seem to help teachers communicate much better when you have a kid who needs additional support, because there is this level of like, this kid's having this problem here, I haven't seen that flex yet. Are there other teachers out there? You know, like, how are we helping support this kid? And, and more people know. And I think that that's one of the things that can be really challenging about high school is that sometimes a kid doesn't always have that, that central person who knows, you know, something more about them than going through, you know, and it doesn't all fall to the guidance and it doesn't all fall. It's, it's you get more of a community around it. And I think that that flex in my understanding of it and what I've heard from my son and other people is that it kind of does give you a bit of a more um, community. You know, you do have a minute to breathe during the day to, to be able to really think about, okay, who who's here and who's not here right now? Yeah, I do too. think it's a great thing. Yeah, that we have to remember sometimes, you know, learning at 2.30 after a long day is hard. Yeah. You know, you, you shadow, you know. And, it, it, and so to be able to have that time in the morning, closer, you know, the first one's around nine or 10 o'clock and 10 to 11 ish, 9 to 11. So to be able to have that time in the morning, I think is very helpful for a lot of us, just that time frame. And not always having that same super brain heavy, intense class that may not be your preferred class or the thing that you know that you are best at, it takes a lot more work. Not always having that at 2 30, you know, that they can kind of cycle throughout the day. So flex happens, like I said, five days out of an eight-day cycle. I absolutely welcome you to swing by if you want to ever, you know, walk through the building and take just take a peek at what it looks like. You're more than happy to come by and show you sort of the different things the students are doing. So, and you know, a couple of years ago, she was a couple of years ago, you shadowed some students. Um, if you're ever interested, I'll be in back in well, too. Yeah, <laughs> just have to get back to like normal. Yeah, I know, and it's it's good. It's a good exercise. So I'm happy to set that up for you too. Um, how are you tracking the scheduling and like when a student is going to see a teacher versus coming to the library and kind of that pattern recognition? So it's the advisory teacher. So every student has an advisory teacher and, and sort of the next level of this that we're taking this year is, is just a little bit earlier. So under the old model, our advisory teachers and I was one, you know, we only met with 
the students once every three weeks or so, and we only had them for 18 nights. That was it. So over the course of years, you did get to know them, and I had my students for three years, they're seniors now, and I did get to know them, but I didn't get to know them as well as their classroom teachers. Under this um, format, their advisory teachers see them just as much as they see any of the students because they're seeing them five times over an eight-day cycle. So that next level relationship building is happening. And with that is being able to monitor students and monitor where they're going. Um, advisory teachers can see how students are doing in certain classes and say, hey, listen, it looks like we might be struggling a little bit in this particular class. I've noticed you've not signed up to go meet with, say, your English teacher. Why don't you set up a couple of times? So they're truly advising students based on um, based on what data they have, and then as we get on through the year, you know, the relationship that they have with them. Yes, um, that specific appointment uh, is that like Google Doc or some sort? How, how are they making that appointment with the teacher? Yeah, through the app. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the teachers can, and guidance and support staff can schedule kids in. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, what we've run into a couple of instances, they're sort of teachers vying for the same student at the same time. The teachers are needing <laughs> to communicate with each other and say, okay, you're going to. You know, have the student, you know, during flex 3A, might want to take them to flex B. So there definitely is, is some communication that uh, has to happen with teachers. And that part we're still sorting out. We're not quite there yet, but it's just constant reminders. You know, and one of the things that we've asked for as teachers is to, when possible, have conversations with students. You know, if you go in and you want to see a student and you see the student has signed up to something or something, then let's try to have a conversation. The app actually has a really neat chat feature that we've used. And I'd rather teachers have a conversation with the students, say, hey, listen, I'd love to see you during on Thursday, flex A. It looks like you're signed up to go whatever. Can you come by, you know, you know, my classroom at that time, or can we do something flex B or the next one? So, you know, we don't want to get into a situation where, and it's happened a couple of times where students get frustrated because what they have signed up for was switched by a teacher because the teacher needed to see the students. So we've asked teachers that when possible, make sure you're having those conversations with students to make it more collaborative. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think students would probably opt more for a study than maybe seeing a teacher. But um, I'd like I want those conversations and communication to happen so that students aren't feeling as if you know it doesn't matter what I sign up for because it's going to get switched anyway. Um, we want that communication um, to take place between the teachers too. So that's still a work in progress for sure. Is there any way, um, and I don't want to revisit the student schedule, like eight years, seven years. <laughs> but it seems like move gradually thinking, why not eight days? You know, wouldn't it be great if you knew you had it? Eight days. Okay. Eight out of eight. Is that what you're talking well, about? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, no, I know that. It would be like, hey, 67 minutes, five out of eight. Yeah. 52 minutes, eight out of eight. Right. What are the pros and cons? You know, like, I don't want to solve for that now. I'm just thinking, yeah. like, Ever improvement for 23. <laughs> or Heather Mendoza was sitting Well, I know. I was part of the SEL. I watched how it took 20 years to get to this point. Yeah. I know. I mean, it's not messed it up yet. I love, I love this question forward. Simple math. Yeah. 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 There's lots of, you know, one of the things we can discover is there are just lots of different models. And, you know, and what, what, what might work for one community. And, you know, sort of what landed here is I think we took a little bit of, of some of what we heard from some schools, but not everything. And we, Kind of now have this flex that is a little different than what we've seen everywhere else is based on our needs. Um, I know that going from seven classes a day 
to five has been a big um, something that the students have really appreciated, and that's what they enjoyed about old. If you remember our old schedule on those block days, they saw teachers have fewer classes on those days, which hearing that few you know, less homework on those days. So I think that the seven day, the five day classes, um, you know, the course of the cycle, I think is a is, is a good number for us. It was a good transition from where we were. Um, yeah, who knows where we'll be five, eight, nine years from now, but. You know, so far so good at least in terms of the frequency that you know what uh, that is happening right now. Does anybody have questions about specifically about uh, the high school opening, and then maybe we need to start thinking about time to, to also talk about the NEAS. Yeah, I was just quickly. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. First of all, I appreciate that you you're going into this mindfully and evaluating the students, questioning. You know that spirit of continuously improving. So thank you. I have a question, two questions about advisory. One is, does the advisory teacher follow the kids? I mean, if the spirit is another trusted adult, I'm just wondering if the, the advisory travels together through their four years. And second, can I, can I, can I, can I, oh, sure. Yeah, because there's a lot of thought that actually went into that. So our old model, we did, we saved with our students before here. Uh, but the number of times we met the students was a lot less than now. I will say that, and Stephanie laughs when I say this all the time, I went into it, into the new model, thinking that's what we're going to do. Like, of course, we're going to stay with them for four, for four years, and that's the way we do this. And, and the more and more we started having conversations and thinking about it, it takes a lot of time. So the students meet with their advisory teacher as much as they meet with any teacher, because it's the same amount of time. And we're all human. Some combinations work great. And sometimes they don't work great. And some combinations of students work great, and sometimes they don't. And with the amount of meeting time that we were having throughout the course of the year, we thought not only A, might, that might be too much, uh, B, it certainly gives our teachers an opportunity to develop some really deep relationships with students because they're seeing them frequently. And then C, if, if I'm a student, well, now I've got four advisory teachers. That I'm going to know really well, as opposed to one, and I'm going to I'm going to have advisory with a different mix of students every year as well. So we just felt like that variety, different learning styles, different um, personalities, uh, given the frequency in which these these flexes were meeting over the course of the year, we felt that sort of tossing it up in the air, if you will, and mixing it up for uh, at the end of the year of next year was the way to go. We also um, made a concerted effort to not, and we have discussions about this too. Our teachers, we don't have many teachers, hardly any, that just teach one level, grade level. We don't have a whole lot. They teach multiple levels. Some teach primarily freshmen and sophomores, whatnot. So then there was the conversation of, well, should the advisory teacher be a teacher of that grade level? And we actually made a concerted effort to not have that happen, more so for just the variety. So. Um, again, it's just a, another adult that a student may never have as a teacher here at Mexico High School, but hopefully has built a good relationship through advisory over the course of their freshman or sophomore year. So um, that was the thinking behind it. Super. Yeah, that's great. And then my second and last question is so for the advisory themes or whatever it is, is it for the all four years or do you have some things for like executive functioning for or study skills for freshmen and then something totally college preparedness or whatever stress management for seniors. 
we're thinking that well we're going to differentiate so okay. so we're, we're, it's still kind of a rebuilding year so we're trying to kind of based on the time of year based right. on what we feel like kids are needing um yeah yeah and under our old model we did have different um activities and things for advisories at times based on the grade level right so um like i had juniors last year so we did a lot of more college stuff with them whereas the freshman advisors didn't do much stuff Anybody else? And then, I mean, obviously they're still here, but um, if you want to go on to the accreditation part. Or... Just, um, yeah, one more, and I'm almost a follow-up on animes. Have you ever thought of like advisory as mentors? Like, do you, do you kind of think of it in that way? And then, you know, like a little bit of the thought on what's the process of how you would assign, you know, teacher A to a student or is there much? And I know, it, you know, this is the first year. So just can general comment on that. It sounds the way you're describing it, it, it sounds like it's it's taking on a flavor of it, which I think you sound you know, like I like what you said. Not having your teachers as an advisory is kind of nice because it's an outside perspective. Uh, you know, so just yeah, I mean we certainly there are there are times where we can fit certain students with certain advice. Yeah, I just think that you know some of our students might need something else that we know of. Um, but in general, we, we do try to just mix it up. And again, not only mix up uh, for the sake of the student and the advisor, uh, but also the student and the, the students that he or she is having advisory with. We think both of those um, having some uh, diversity in there from year to year is important. Um, you know, the only thing I would say is it's probably like any math, science, English teacher, a student might have. Sometimes you click with one, as you know, and it works great and it's awesome. And sometimes you don't. And but there's a lot to learn through those processes as well. So, um, you know, in a building of 70 some odd teachers and 800 students, um, you know, it's always going to be hard to, to be very specific with who's going to be with who over the course of the year. But um, there are times where we definitely do look at the configuration um, and what a student might need and who my advisory teachers are and kind of you know, so Thank you. Dr. Morrison, now if you want to introduce the second part of this. Uh, sure, I would just want to thank you know, Robert and Brenda. I know Heather's not here, but all the work that they have done and the teachers at the high school have done to really make this positive change for kids. And we've heard it at a couple of meetings already. And I think that the kids are really um, taken to this new schedule well and, and really understanding that we've really focused on SEL for the last you know, four or five years, and this is a nice culmination to that at the high school. So we appreciate the work you've done on that. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. It's been fun. Um, so you want to shift into the app? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and I'll take a public comment if anybody wants to do a public comment on any part of the high school presentation after the NEA. Sure, absolutely. Um, so we also want to follow up with our uh, reaccreditation report, as you as you've seen. Um, so with us here tonight is Stephanie Workley. Stephanie is our uh, district. Uh, guidance director um, Stephanie also happened to be our co-chair uh, for this two-year process. Uh, Stephanie and Melinda Lohan, who had planned to come but wasn't able to be here tonight. And I just want to thank you know both Stephanie and Melinda, um, hours and hours of work um, leading this um, uh, reaccreditation over the past couple of years, from um, organizing professional development to creating subcommittees, the logistics of the visit, um, help in the leadership team with all the reports. So she has poured a lot of effort and time um, into this. And um, I just want to say thank you, Stephanie and, and Belinda as well. 
um, they did a great job of leading that building through this process. So I'm going to turn it over to Stephanie. She's going to talk a little bit about the report, some of the findings, and sort of where we go from there. Okay, thank you. Brenda and Owen are pulling up my PowerPoint. All right. I think as we speak, and we'll share it on Zoom for those watching at home as well. Um, but I'm excited to be here tonight. As Robert said, this has been years and hours in the making. Um, this is quite a process that um, our high school has gone through. Um, so thanks for giving me a few minutes to talk about it. Um, so the NEOS um, organization partners with schools um, all over the country to really provide accreditation, but to look at best practices and really think about um, meaningful, ongoing um, improvements and initiatives, whole school initiatives that schools um, kind of should be thinking about and working on. So through this process, there's five specific standards that um, really govern this, this whole process. And those are the learning culture, student learning, professional practices, learning support, and learning resources. And even just from the five standards that I mentioned, you'll notice that four of those stand standards all have the word learning. So really is a priority for um, our NEAS review. So just to kind of mention the timelines of um, the review process. So this really started several years ago. I think um, Mr. Parga asked Melinda and I to be the co-chairs like 2016, knowing that this was coming, um, NEAS really has changed their process. It's always been a 10-year um, visit um, from your last visit, but their process now is more cyclical where there are um, points during that 10 years that um, the school really has to um, have some initiatives there. So when um, Mr. Parga asked Melinda and I to kind of take this on, we did some PD work with NEAS to really start to focus on what that looked like. Our kickoff was in January of 2018, where a woman from NEAS actually came out and, and kind of kicked off the whole process to our, our staff. So in the winter and spring of 2018, I actually found this to be probably the best part of the whole process, but it was our high school self-reflection. And it was a great opportunity for our staff and our teachers to work together to really um, do that, just, just that, a self-reflection on the things that we are doing here at our school, the areas that we feel like need some improvement and, um, some, and some areas that we needed to focus on, what are the good things we're doing here at school as well. And it was a really great, um, I think we had maybe three PD um, times in that spring where um, you know, our whole staff was involved and we had a lot of great conversations through that. Um, from that time, after that, we created what was called our school growth plan. And from there, we identified areas that we wanted to work on prior to our decennial visit. NEAS now has what's called a collaborative conference. So actually, Stephanie, I'm yes. so sorry. Are we good? Do you want a, a second to just kind of get that up? Because I want to make sure that sorry. everybody, oh no, you're great. But I want to make sure that if we're uh, trying to zoom this out, that they're also getting that presentation. Are they on? Okay. Oh, it's on the Zoom. Are we good? Okay. Oh, great. On the Zoom. Stephanie, you were great. I'm sorry to ruin your rhythm. I just wanted to make no, sure. No, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> um, and I get going too. So if you have a question, please, please feel free to stop me. Okay, thank you. Um, so in October of 2018, we hosted our collaborative conference. And this is a smaller version of the big visit where we had, um, I think, four. Um, educators in the state of Massachusetts or actually in New England come to visit our school. Um, it was a great conference. They were here for three days. They saw our, our growth plan and the work that we had identified as areas of need. 
Um, and just, it, it was a smaller version of what we knew the, the Centennial visit was gonna look like. Following the collaborative um, conference is when we really started to put in place the areas in our growth plan, um, focus on our areas of need and what we wanted to do prior to our visit. And then the pandemic happened. So that kind of put a halt in our, our work for a little bit. Um, our original date for our decennial visit was in October of 2020, um, which was canceled. And we had to pivot into a virtual um, visit in March of 2021. So just to touch base on what our um, priority areas and our growth plan, the things that came out of our um, self-study, the three areas that as a school we really felt were important to address were our student transitions to Medfield High School, um, our mission statement and vision of the graduate, and our um, rank curriculum across all departments. So we looked at um, kind of had action steps under each category where we really wanted to um, take a look at, you know, for our student transitions, not just our transition from Blake to the high school, although we felt like that's a really important one to talk about, but also our transition for all of our new students enrolling in Medfield High School, and especially our EL population. Really starting to think about what we could put into place to address um, the need there. So for example, one of the things we've done for the past several years was our high school guidance counselors go to Blake Middle School in May or June of the eighth grade year and meet all of our freshmen before they even walk into the doors of Medfield High School. Um, I think it's been great to have the opportunity to um, meet with all of our students and talk to them a little bit about what the transition is going to look like, what they can expect, who we are, so they have a face to go with a name. Um, I think it's alleviated some of the concern of, you know, if they have a question, like not knowing who to reach out to because they've already had an opportunity to meet us. That's been one thing that I think, um, obviously, that has impacted my department, but we all really, really love doing that. So. Um, some of the things that we've really talked about, again, um, our new students, you know, we're really trying to talk to our students that um, enroll in Medfield High School um, and think about ways that we can help them better transition to our school, um, find different supports for our EL population. Um, one thing we keep talking about and has kind of come out of the study was creating an area on our website for new families. Um, really to help them better understand what our school um, is like here at Medfield High School. Stephanie, I'm going to quickly ask you to define for everybody what EL is. Sure, that is our um, English language learners. Mm -hmm. So our students that have um, English learning during the day as well, and so maybe English is their first language. Thank you. Um, so one of the other areas that NEASC really focuses on is our mission statement and our vision of the graduate. And this was interesting because we've had, the mission statement's always a big part of the NEASC accreditation, but I don't think we had really as a faculty sat down and really talked about what our mission was and what our goals are for our graduates. We've had great conversations to really think about what we want our students to leave here with. You know, yes, we want them to be lifelong learners and involved in the community and um, you know, invested in their education, but we also want them to be resilient. We also want them to um, be resourceful. And um, we had great conversations around what those two um, kind of statements are for our school and the importance of making sure students know what our vision is so that way they're involved in these, these conversations as well. 
because we can have a vision for you, but if you don't share that vision, you know, we might not kind of be going on the same path. So we've had some great conversations with students and, and faculty there as well. Um, and the one area that is definitely an area that we need to focus on is having written curriculum that is a similar template and kind of easy to find across all departments. So that's something, you know, we started um, with realigning our report card comments with our vision of the graduate. If you have a high school student here, you may notice that some of our report card com comments might not just say pleasure to have in class, but really thinking about things like time management and how the student advocates for themselves and, um, you know, just, just trying to align more with some of the work we're doing um, with our students. So as I said, we had to change our, our whole visit from an in-person um, visit to all virtual, which was very different. Um, but I really think that we, I think we did a pretty good job with it. I think the team that, that virtually came to our school, we had a lot of resources and uh, materials that they could access easily. Melinda and I made a website for our visiting team where everything they needed from the schedule to student work to um, our, our growth plan, everything we've done for NEAS is basically on this website for the team. So we had um, Chris Faust and students create a virtual tour of our school, um, a video tour that our team was able to watch. Our team met with our steering committee, our school committee, central office. Um, the classroom um, observations were different, but last year was different. So um, I, I'm not sure the visiting team got the exact same effect that they would if they have been here in person. But I think still, you know, to be able to jump into a Zoom, hear what you know the teacher was putting out for for students, see how the remote learning was going in such um, you know, an untraditional year. Um, I, I think they got the most out of it that they could. Would I rather them here in person? Totally, but um, I, I think the, the classroom observations virtually, they were okay. Um, our student meetings were great. Our students love to talk about Medfield High School, whether it's the challenge success, right? <laughs> challenge success or NEASC or um, I don't know, any other thing that like I bring students to, they love talking about our school. So our students did a great job. Um, they, the visiting team, we had meetings set up with all of our um, kind of committees that address the, the um, priority areas that I mentioned. So we had our, our subcommittee that works with the eighth to ninth grade transition, they met with them. We had another subcommittee that focused on new students and EL populations transitioning to Medfield High School. Our mission statement and vision of the graduate committee and our curriculum committee. We also our um, HVAC committee, I think Michael, you were there and Jeff was there and a couple of teachers that were on that substandard as well. So, so from um, our visit, you know, Robert got a report back with our accommodations and, and congratulating, uh, congratulating us for um, awarding us our accreditation. So um, I would just like to kind of quickly go through kind of what the accommodations were and some of the um, highlights of what the visiting committee was really impressed with. So I think first, the, the first thing they wrote about was, um, you know, our, our school-wide habits, skills, and mindsets, mindsets, especially around social emotional learning. 
even at our collaborative conference in 2018, the committee that was here really was kind of wowed and impressed by our advisory model, our RISE program, the support of the guidance staff, um, and just really couldn't say enough about how much our school really supported the social emotional well-being of our students. So um, I thought that was wonderful. Um, they talked a lot about the strong relationships that are forged between um, faculty members and students. And I think as you know, Brenda and Robert were talking about uh, our new advisory system, although a little bit different, but I think the, the same goal is still there to create those relationships. Um, obviously during the pandemic, one of the highlights was our nursing staff and our services that um, we were offering. Um, our, our visiting team that when they talked with our nurses and um, you know, so many people had wonderful things to say about the work they were doing during the pandemic and that really that really came out in our report. Um, our visiting team was very impressed with the central office support around PD time, especially with um, the work that around curriculum development. Um, our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know some of this work kind of is just getting started, but they were really impressed that we were all talking about it and focusing on that that was an area of need. Um, our technology resources came out um, as, a, as a high, uh, a positive as well. Again, especially during the pandemic when um, so much of the work we were doing was remote and needed the infrastructure and software and, and support of our technology department. Um, one of the things from our collaborative conference in 2018, you know, we had really started to talk about our new schedule. So that was in all of our reports um, prior to our visit. So our visiting team was thrilled that we were implementing this new schedule in September because the two things to allow students to have time to access their teachers during the day, flex period we now have, and then to provide our teachers common planning time, like official common planning time, which our teachers now have um, after school um, several times a week. So they love the idea of our new schedule. Um, the central office and school committee support and knowledge and commitment to our school district um, definitely came out, came out in our support. Um, and they were very impressed by our community and the district's um, dependability for funding and implementing different programs and services that we felt like our, our student population needed. Um, the last two things that were in the report, um, the work that we are starting to do around inequities and implicit bias work, and um, the work that our merge, our Medfield Educator for Racial Justice, the work that we're doing there. So those were some of the highlights that they pulled out from their visit um, to us, where then they, yay, congratulations, you are accredited for the next 10 years. So with that though, um, our one area of priority growth, um, when you look at, you can see on the PowerPoint, there's the five standards that I mentioned, and there's actually six um, uh, foundational elements, excuse me. So we got check marks on everything except for the area of written curriculum. So this says there's a written curriculum in a consistent format for all courses and all departments across the school. And we knew this coming into the visit that this was an area that we need to focus on. We've known this since our self-study and our collaborative conference. And you know, we had a lot of plans to work on this last year, but because so much of our PD was around remote learning and all of that, 
which is, is totally understandable and, and our NEAS friends totally understand that as well. But this is definitely a priority for us um, moving forward over the next couple of years. So again, as I said, the because the NEAS um, process now is cyclical, um, we'll have a first year report of progress and planning due to NEAS in May of this year, then a three-year report following that, then around the five-year mark, we'll probably start doing our work for our self-study again, then an eight-year mark, our collaborative conference, and then in 10 years, we'll do this all over again. So, <laughs> but it's great. As I said earlier, I think the self-study was actually the best part of the whole process. So, and I think we got so much um, buy-in and feedback from our faculty who really felt invested by this. I think because NIAS doesn't now just come every 10 years because you're working on it and because we're identifying the areas of need, um, it makes people kind of want to keep talking about it and be involved in the process. So um, I think the visit went swimmingly as well as it could have. Um, and does anybody have any questions that I can answer about the process? I would just add that I, I did see a couple of members of the visiting team over the summer at different events and um, they both highlighted wish it could have been in Medfield in person to see because what they loved what they saw over video, but they wish they had seen it in person. So they're very complimentary of what was going on in the classrooms. And I just, you know, I can't thank you guys enough for all the work. There's so much work that goes into this. And I know that it was a lot on all of you and um, it came out great. So appreciate okay. everything. Okay. So you have, um, I, I hate to focus on the, the one deficit, but it's also an incredibly important part sure. of our, uh, yeah, our learning for our kids. What is your kind of initial plan around really starting this work again? You know, obviously yeah. you had expected to do it before. What are your kind of benchmarks? What are you looking at over the next uh, year even? What do you think you'll be saying at that May report that will give a structure to that yeah. discussion? Well, we started this conversation with Christine Power, right. I think the minute she was hired in the district, you know, so um, we've been talking at our department chair meetings and leadership meetings about this for quite some time. If you ask any of the department chairs where their written curriculum is or what it looks like, they could find it for you quickly and right. they would be able to tell you, you know, biology is this and in English 10 we do this. Um, but it's to try to figure out the best way to have one format, streamline the process. So if we had a new teacher starting, you know, Mr. Parker could say, here's the curriculum for this course. And it's, it's, it's all right there. Um, I know that, um, so there will be two new people helping out with the first year report. Um, not that Melinda and I have stepped down, but they thought, um, you know, to get more people involved in the process. So Madeline Chamberlain and Ashley Rimby are going to be working on this first year report with Robert and Brenda and Heather. Um, and I imagine that there's going to be hopefully dedicated time to PD work around um, really kind of figuring this out and finalizing it. Um, I think the, the work that's going to need to be done is figuring out what the best kind of model or template looks like kind of for all departments, because that's what they're looking for, right. you know? So I, I think, but again, if we start having these great conversations as a staff, as a whole staff, um, you know, it's only gonna kind of move us to the next level. If I can just add to the, yeah. uh, the self-study, yeah. because that was the big change in their process. If you followed me, ask, um, they really did a re, um, they re really reorganized how they do these visits a few years ago. And 
having gone through uh, self-study over the old model, it was very prescriptive and didn't always sort of hit the schools where they needed to really focus on. So the beauty in the self-study is, is we were actually able to identify this in advance. And um, when we wrote up our report, we we identified the fact that we do need this um, this curriculum piece documented in a way that sort of formalizes it, but also makes it consistent as well. So uh, I think that um, there's so much value in being reflective and, and doing a self study. And you know, as Stephanie highlighted, and, and I'll I'll echo it. The, the best part of the whole process is that the staff we were able to identify these things and you know sort of take a look at ourselves. I mean, I. You know, from a distance, we love the work that we're doing. Our kids do great, but there's always, you know, room for improvement and for us to be able to identify that and then have me ask come in to say, yeah, you're right, that is an area that you need to shore up some was 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 good. So, and I think it's, it, you know, from a teaching standpoint, they felt as if, uh, uh, you know, certainly the the work that we had been doing um, really coincided with with this recommendation. So it it tied together nicely. It just wasn't something that was dropped on us from the outside that might not have. You know, you know, felt like it, it was for us. It was something that we had done. So. And how does this mesh together with uh, the curriculum work that Dr. Power has been doing um, from elementary? And it kind of, as we look at the kind of vertical learning around this, will there be standardized, essentially kind of grade level appropriate, age appropriate, but standardized kind of templates across? Yes. The whole. <laughs> That's all I need to know. I like the word yes. Yes. <clears throat> So it makes things easier as, as you go on and easier for parents to understand what the trajectory is mm -hmm. and for kids to understand what their trajectory is. So is there um comment here? Double thumbs up for Mrs. Glenn, which yeah. is thank you so yeah. much. As a point, I've gone through it, it's a daunting process, the yes. whole thing. So <laughs> I commend you all, particularly during the pandemic. Very much so. Uh, um, and the curriculum work has always been a focus, so I appreciate the district's you know, approach on that. So, and, uh, and big kudos to Stephanie Melinda, and I know I've said this before, but they, they actually went out as a team to visit another school as, a, um, as part of the NEAS process. So they got to see the other side of it in advance of the work that NEAS did with us. And, you know, they had to take time away from, you know, their families and from school for a little bit to do a visit. So. Um, again, they really jumped in into this process, and um, they were they were huge for us. So we'll get back to you. I know it's very important to get out of the box and see what others are doing. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, I will take public input uh, now on this specific topic, both the reopening for the high school as well as. For the NIAS process, uh, all comments will be hopefully uh, done in three minutes or less. Um, does anybody have any public comments on either high school reopening or the NIAS process at this point? No? Okay. Then, uh, Dr. Marson, are there any other items since we're putting on October 7th? No, this time, Madam Chair. All right. So now we are going to move on to old business, which is something that um, I think that we really wanted to complete. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Take care. Um, 
And we are looking at the policy recommendations and the policy project. Uh, this is, will be our second reading for several, of, or actually all of these. These are in section J. Um, and we do expect to vote uh, several of the um, recommendations in tonight. So Megan or Tim, do you wanna speak to um, any of the recommendations that you've made? Um, I know that there are two that we feel like we don't need to continue to have in the manual because they simply do not apply to our school district. Do you want to correct? Um, talk about those. Do you need me to make a motion to um, uh, dismiss those? If uh, yes. you don't have to dismiss them, what I, what I would probably do is uh, make a motion to strike from the manual uh, uh, letter. Um, JC, which is the attendance areas, and JCA, which is, um, do you have that on your right now, JCA, I believe I do. Assignment of students to schools. Assignment of students to right. schools. And right. both, um, both of these policies are specific to schools that are have neighborhood school schools, which is not a system that we use in Medfield. So. Right. And it talks a lot about switching students should they need to between right. schools, but since we all progress along at the same grade level, if, I, I mean, my, my personal feeling has been that if we ever do need these policies, then we are having much bigger changes in our district, <laughs> and we should probably write at thing. that time <laughs> policy that best fits us as opposed to kind of this, you know, one size fits all or two sizes fit all correct policies. So. Okay. Do I hear um, a second on the motion to strike from the manual of JC attendance areas and student attendance policy? I second. Tim seconds. Okay. Uh, all in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. And the motion passes. And then the second point um, before we uh, vote on the second reading is to perhaps hold off on. J F A B C, which mm -hmm. is um, this is students attending the Medfield Public Schools admission of transfer students. Okay. Which um, do you want to talk about my extensive rewrite? Which <laughs> <laughs> well, is not actually that extensive, um, for, and I will just, actually send that to the committee right now. Right, that's acceptable just, uh, to you. Um, in in reviewing. Uh, our current policy, it was discovered that we don't really talk at all about um, someone who is potentially signing a lease to come move to Redfield. So that should be maybe added. And there was enough um, change that I yeah. felt that it, you needed a, a second reading on that before we could, could vote on that. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things that, um, as I was looking at it, I, I just wanted to make sure that we were being very clear. Um, we do, uh, as a district, Dr. Marston uh, kind of had this um, policy that, that as people sign uh, purchase and sales, or as they know that they are very much officially moving into the district, that we think it's important for kids to transfer in and be able to have kind of that soft, softer landing. Um, but we never had anything about uh, about leases, and we've also 
there are kind of a, some little tweaks here in terms of like, you know, that you have to intend to live in that residence because at times there have been people who have rented rooms here and then wanted to send their kids thinking that that would be okay. It's very rare, but my goodness gracious, it happens. It, happens. it has happened. And, um, and that we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, not every child has parents who continue to be married or continue to live together. We do need to make sure that the custodial parent, the parent that uh, gets to send or lives in town to send their children here or that that is part of um, their kind of agreement. So um, it's just really kind of pinning down yep. those very specific things that could make transferring that much more difficult uh, if we don't have those things. So. Um, I actually just sent that to all of you. Andrea can put that in the, I sent that to you as well. You can put it in the PDF and put it in the minutes for tonight. And then we will look at that and vote on that on November 18th. All right. And then uh, there was one that, there were two that we needed to strike and combine. Do you remember? Um, that is, you may, you may do yes, that. Yes, I did. The tobacco. Yes. So we used to have two separate policies, one for tobacco and one for alcohol use. So J-I-C-G. Mm -hmm. Which is tobacco use by students. Right. And J-I-C-H. Which is alcohol. Right. So we would be basically lifting the MASC policy, J-I-C-H, which combines the two. Right. So we would be striking J-I-C-G and the current version of J-I-C-H to be replaced with J-I-C-H, alcohol, tobacco, and drug use by students prohibited. Uh, one question I do have is that uh, the mask language uh, reads subject to disciplinary action. Right. Um, but when we were looking at the policies themselves, uh, Jeff had a, a preference uh, to, as outlined in the student handbook, which he thought was more precise. Yeah, correct. And that's what I've noted in the- Are we generally good with that? Yeah. Okay, Megan, do you wanna make a motion? I can say the motion and you can say that <laughs> you're making that motion. Why don't we do that? All right. Um, do I hear a motion to strike policy JICG, tobacco use by students, and JICH, alcohol use by students, to be replaced with the MASC version of JICH, alcohol, tobacco, and drug use by students prohibited? Do I hear a motion? So moved. Megan moves. So I hear a second. I second to Meg. Okay, so Tim seconds. Uh, all in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Motion passes unanimously. All right. Um, the next one, I'll do the, the slight tweak ones, and then I'll do the replacing one-to-one -one votes. Uh, JHD, exclusions and exemptions from school attendance in the current policy there is a phrase that no longer tracks with uh, the regulations that uh, for MASC. So we want to remove the phrase, having been expelled during the same year from this district or any district in the Commonwealth, 
which brings the policy up to date with regulation 37 and three quarters. Do I hear a motion to uh, amend policy JHD exclusions and exemptions from school attendance by striking the phrase, having been expelled during the same year from this district or any district in the Commonwealth? So okay, Megan, so moves. Do I have a second? I second tonight. Okay, tonight. And uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Motion passes. Um, then the next uh, policies are very specifically kind of one-to-one -one, um, replacements that have tweaks around uh, MASC language as opposed to our kind of policies that have not been really in question yet. Or, um, so the first one is, and I'll do this as a, do we agree that it would be all right for us to do these as one vote? Yep. Yes. Okay, the committee agrees? Okay. So uh, replace uh, policy JB, educational, I'm sorry, equal educational opportunities, JBB, educational equity, JF, school admissions, including additional cross-references as noted, JIE, pregnant students, JIC, student discipline, and JICFA-E, easing. Do I hear a motion to replace those uh, with the MASC language as proposed in our reading? So moved. So moved, Megan Glenn moves. And do I have a second? Tim, second. Tim, all right, you guys are my dream team. And we have our second tranche. Um, and then do I have, uh, 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 all in favor? Aye. Aye. <laughs> Thank you. Aye, and the motion passes unanimously. We are also, along with, um, along with the, uh, new transfer student policy that I uh, kind of wrote or rewrote. Um, we are also going to postpone the JJE co-curricular and extracurricular activities. Um, it was reviewed in 2018. Um, Megan and I had a conversation about kind of operationally how we put that into place. And it is also largely tracking with the Department of Education. Um, and there's probably some indication that the Department of Education will re-rewrite that. So um, we would essentially be voting something again that's already there to then re-vote it and reread it again in probably a fairly short period of time within a year or so. So, um, but I think that we can have a, a good conversation about how we operationalize some of the parts in there in terms of putting it into our, um, our topics calendar for the year in terms of budget reports. So in, in I actually I'm just asking so that's like the, what is highlighted in that like section three and five. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, I can also give it. Seems like it would be worthwhile. So do we need a motion to do nope. anything with that? Okay. We don't need a motion to do anything. It just uh we just postpone it. And as long as the committee agrees to postpone it, we're postponing it. Um and uh, do I have any public comment 
around uh, any of the policies that we just did. Okay, then I am going to uh, move on to the uh, Department of Elementary and Secondary Ed Mask Mandate Update. Um, and if Dr. Marston would like to sure. take that away. Sure, so in your packet, in your materials, you have the press release from uh, last Tuesday, the 26th, in which the Commission of Education extended the mask requirement for all K-12 public schools through at least uh, January 15th. Um, I was on a group of, uh, on a Zoom with him with a group of about five or six uh, superintendents when he was talking to us about this. Um, you know, part of his concern revolves around the vaccine for five to 11 year olds and making sure that there's some time for that to, to take place before we start um, removing the mask in our schools. So as part of that, and, and, and you know, even, even as early as September, um, there was an off-ramping uh, procedure that DESE put together, which essentially allows a district by school that if you have at least 80% of your staff and students um, fully vaccinated, that you can apply for a waiver and you can make a decision anytime after you get that waiver uh, to remove masks for that school only. So it's not something that the district does as a whole, it's really just focusing, and I think, which I think we would focus if we did this, the high school. I mean, I think that's where we would look. Um, so I also put in your materials, the information around that, and also the attestation form uh, that you submit to DESE to do this. So we are at, uh, we, we've been above 80% at the high school. Um, you know, we've been following the local metrics really closely as far as um, our pool testing. Um, so we haven't had a positive case at the high school in 11 days at this point. Um, and and we, um, we've had a couple of rounds of pool testing with no positive pools coming out of the high school or in fact, any of our schools in the last two weeks. Um, so the trend is definitely going in the direction that we'd like to see it. Um, so I would just, like to have a conversation on whether or not you think it's appropriate for me to apply for that waiver on for the high school on behalf of the district and get that information or get that blessing, so to speak, from DESE. And then we follow what we think is important as far as meeting with the Board of Health and following local data, establishing some metrics that we would do use as a district to <clears throat> say when masks would come off, what, what would have to happen for that to for masks to come off and really just kind of put us in a place where we could be nimble if we need to do that, as opposed to going through all of that and then waiting for another meeting and then allowing me to do that. And then we're waiting two or three weeks when we could be in a situation where masks come off or not, just, just kind of having that conversation. So I'd like to just kind of put that to you folks to see what you think. And it doesn't say we're going to do it, but it gives us the ability if, you know, if we want to move in that direction. I'll take it. First stab at that, if that's the way. So, um, you know, so I know there was a, a handful of districts that jumped in right on that, and just to get that option as well. Um, you know, I think it's something that we should have control over. Uh, you know, so we have control over our own destiny. Is one thing that I learned. So you think that the waiver gives you control over your own destiny? At so least our, our own destiny yeah. here, right? So I think the you know the one thing, not to you know not to poo poo on the uh, the beast, but um, you know, they've had to, you know, they, at the beginning of the pandemic, they did a lot of catch up to get in place for us, right? And so I think this is something that they're giving us uh, the ability to to use locally. Um, and I think that's a, a great way to do that. So I don't think it hurts for us to apply for that and, you know, work with our local folks that we've already established a rapport with. 
um, the numbers that the community is maintaining as far as uh, safety and vaccination. Um, I was going to, I was curious, is do we have a vaccination, current vaccination rate at the middle school? We do. It's not as high as the high school. I think it's 84, 85 percent. Yeah, high school is plus 95. Is it because we have so many sixth graders that are over 12? Yeah. 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 yeah, I think so. I think that's and typically what we've seen statewide. That's been the trend that the high schools are much higher than middle schools. Sure. You know, that's what we've seen. I think it's you know, it allows us to at least start those conversations with folks and kind of see where people are at as far as removing the mask and allows us to, to at least get the blessing from the state. Not saying that we're going to do it the next day, um, but, you know, one of the things that I'm really curious to see, number one, is making sure that our pool testing stays where it's at. Um, the second piece is, is whether or not MIAA is going to recommend, which I've heard rumors, that they're going to recommend that um, no mask wearing during athletic events in the winter. So if you think back to last year, um, our friends that play hockey was with a large amount of, of positives, at least in this area, not just Medfield, but in this area. Everywhere so that was, yeah. you know, that was an issue. And then you know, inside basketball was an issue as well for us. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So I think we need to kind of see that, mm -hmm. how that plays out with MIAA, whether they're going to remove those. But the last time I was at, probably two weeks ago at a meeting over there, they, that's what they were talking about doing. But they haven't had that clearance from the, the state medical on that yet. Mm. So there's, I mean, it's trending in that direction of removing masks. We know that. So that as long as numbers stay where they are, uh, but there's just a lot of factors. I think we we've, we've had conversations individually. So I have with individual members here about how important it is to get our younger kids vaccinated because yes. in Medfield there are so many families that have multiple children at multiple grade levels. Uh, we want to make sure that folks are safe or at least have the opportunity to get the vaccination. So. Um, Kathy Thompson, our nurse leader, who's been outstanding, has um, worked with a local pharmacy and will be able to host a vaccination clinic for uh, the five to 11 year old students um, at one of our schools in the next week or two. So we're kind of waiting for that final OK from um, from everyone and uh, make sure we have enough vaccinations at, at that particular pharmacy. But that looks good to be able to bring it right here for us so that our families can just go after school at a certain time, whether we do it one or two dates, we're not sure yet, uh, but we wanna make sure we offer that service so that we'll be able to do that and, and get you know as close to back to normal as we can. Uh, that's what our goal has always been. But I think it's important in the next couple of weeks to really try to get some of those metrics that we think are important for us to look at um, before you know you folks make a decision and, and make an informed decision on, on that uh, mass removal. In general, um, I'm, I'm just, um, in general, I'm, I'm very much in favor of applying for labor and that mattered. Um, I do think that some of the metrics I would like to see are some of the things that we may actually need to uh, institute beforehand, which is that, you know, at the high school, I know that pool testing has seemed somewhat optional because so many kids, um, even if you're signed up for it, so many kids are like, but I'm vaccinated, so why do I have to do this? And I would think that there would be a certain percentage of people who should sign up. And I don't know what that is, mm -hmm. but I would like to see almost universal pool testing if that is possible, simply because that is the first place that we can find to, to know if, if uh, things are starting to get a lot of control, if we're getting breakthrough 
And I also think that we are, and we've talked about this before, we're heading into the travel season mm -hmm. and into the season where everybody is all of a sudden going to be able to see their families for the first time in a very long time. I think that may be what uh, Desi had in mind when they were extending it through January 15th, because we know it's that intense. It was actually that piece in the vaccination were right. really, really key things. And I yeah. think- And that's the other part that's mm -hmm. been so important to me, and we've talked about this, is that I, um, if a family does not have a choice about whether they can vaccinate the younger child or not, then I'm not sure how I would be able to say, you know, well, we're just going to take off masks anyway, and you have to wear a mask at school, and you have to wear one at home just in case you infect your younger siblings. And I, I feel like that's been a really untenable situation. However, if now that younger children will have the choice and there is a level that we'll have been able to get both, um, both doses, and that they have that, that right and that ability to do so, that I feel much more comfortable that um, the kids are, and that families have that choice. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's, you know, kind of a, a part around that, around there's gonna be a little bit of time that we need to wait, but we, we do have the waiver, but let's make sure that people have the ability to get the vaccine for their younger kids. If That's choose, for my thought, yeah, if, if they choose. choose. Yeah. And if they don't choose, well then, that's their you know, that's their choice. But I would like to see make sure that we do have that second part in place too, which is the we have great pool testing numbers at our elementary schools and our middle school. At the high school, it's you know not been as great. It's still pretty good, but it's not great. Yeah, I mean, it was strong last year before the vaccination. And right. We, certainly, we had. Right. So I want to make our, sure that that's not a part that just gets our numbers are off the charts last year. So yeah. yeah. And I think I think the waiver is a good idea just to give us that flexibility. But I do feel strongly about having the guidance of the medical professionals mm -hmm. and um, Board of Health. So to be part of the conversation mm -hmm. when Absolutely. we establish our benchmarks mm -hmm. so that they're very clear and the community knows, you know. And now that actually are. just a, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Marston, but uh, the BO, now that there is not uh, a public emergency declared by the state that the Board of Health is in much more of an advisory role and I would very much appreciate their advice, but they are not able to simply say, you know, shut schools or don't shut schools or, you know, that's never been their actual um, ability. They've always been able to shut, if there was a public health emergency called, right? they could shut down schools, but they cannot, uh, advise do anything more than advise us around the medical part well, that's what that you know, there's always be. that operational right. part yeah, and that's, that's what, what we're looking for right advice right. none yeah. of us are physicians none of us yeah. are scientists so nope. and i think you know yeah. in terms of our board of health the fact that and again i talked to superintendents all over the state and the fact that we have a board of health that has folks that are medical professionals, public health professionals. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we certainly have an advantage over other communities. So I think it's, it's really important for us to use that and get their advice and, and kind of what they're thinking because there are others, you know, other communities that they just don't have that expertise on their board of health. So I think we're fortunate in that regard, so. I think so too. And that wasn't, uh, my statement wasn't so much a ding. I just wanted to make sure that we were all kind of understanding what the differences between a public right. health emergency as declared and kind of normal, normal times. I think it's important that we actually do do the waiver 
um, because it is what it is. So we have the vaccination rate, um, and this is a piece in the process to get us to where we want to be, which is eventually maskless. What I don't want to happen is the masks come off, the masks go back on, the masks come yeah. off, the masks go back on. I want to do it once, yeah. and I want I to agree. do it right. And, right. and in some ways, we're kind of looking at our friends uh, in the neighborhood that are, I mean, they're doing it three weeks off, three weeks on. I, right. You know, and the fact that they were all divided and they couldn't agree, I don't want that to be us. So there were nine schools in the state that originally had applied and, and got the waivers. And, and you think about nine schools, not nine districts, nine schools. And you think of the hundreds of school, thousands of schools in the state. Um, so I think what we, our recommendation to the commissioner uh, two weeks ago when we met with him was let's use the, the nine or so that want to go forward with this and kind of study them as a pilot and see what happens, right? I mean, seriously. You guys go ahead. Yeah, you got, I mean, really, right? If, if, you, if you're so inclined, then do yeah. it. And then we'll see what happens after three weeks and make some decisions based on that because some of them are very, are very like communities to us, you know? So yeah. I think we want to just kind of see what that, how that goes. And, you know, I think the example that we're talking about Hockington, I think they, they did the three weeks with mask off, which started today. And then they're going to put them back on after Thanksgiving because of what happened to them last year. That was, right. they had a huge spike after Thanksgiving and right. last year. Right. I think that's what they're thinking, which, you know, makes sense for them. But let's see how it goes for them in the are, next three weeks. Are they doing testing during this? I'm not sure if they are or not. Because okay. another yeah. idea, I mean, I know we're going to talk more about this, but, you know, when we eventually take off the masks, if there could be a period of time, at least, I'm not saying, I know you want it. The whole year but if yeah. we could say, say for the next year, but, you know three weeks four weeks yeah we're doing mandated full testing till we see a trend yeah. either way right. or that we bump up full testing after those kind of um touch points that we know we had last year and that everybody in the state right. does too you know it's the it's the two-week cycle after february vacation it's the two-week cycle after um you know winter break it's the two-week cycle after April, right? Like, are there times that we need to be more vigilant seeing what, you know, April seems too far away to even think about, but, you know, are there times that we need to be more hypervigilant than we were previously? And that doesn't mean masks back on, but it does mean a, a level of expectation that, that pool right. testing and, you know, that we'll be doing. Well, and um, it, it's hard to set these metrics as right. everything evolves so fast. Too. Right. Um, so it's obviously, and what you're saying is staying in touch with the medical professionals and the other superintendents. And I don't think state. it would be, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea to also, you know, at the very beginning of the school year, we put out, a, you know, kind of essentially a kind of public email about like, where are you on this? You know, we need to have the buy-in in maybe in a couple of weeks or several weeks about like, okay, population-wise, where are you on this? What do you need to know to make sure that you feel okay about sending your child to school? What are the barriers right now to you vaccinating or participating in pool testing? What are what are the ways that we can help you? That's a good thought exchange, actually. Yeah. Because it's, it's pretty wide open. Let people kind of give their responses. And yeah. I don't know if I want to do a, are you in favor of yes or no? Oh, kind no, no, of, no. Yeah, I don't, I, not that, that wasn't but, actually what I said. Yeah. It's really about thoughts yeah. because we need yeah. to we need to read the room yeah a um, but you know the if the, the language is clear too that if you're not vaccinated you still have to wear a mask correct yeah, yeah. so the, i mean what are we going to do the, the, the enforcement uh, the you know uh, 
and I hate to say it, but it's kind of like that scarlet letter thing, right? You know, the, I mean, fortunately for I us, think our kids it, are more understanding than our parents worry about them being, but, but yeah. But I think that's a larger issue in other parts of the state, not here. I mean, we have, like I said, we're 95 plus at the high school. So, you know, you, you have a, a very small number, if, if any, by the time it, we do this, right. you know, so Fair I think enough. we're, yeah. you know, we're in really good shape with that. That would be my hope anyway. Yeah, but I think there's lots of conversations to be had in the next few weeks. I know certainly talking with teachers and staff and those kinds of you know conversations we need to have. And but uh, if you allow me, I will um, you know get right on it this week. I will send out the waiver into the state and just kind of go from there. It's a quick turnaround, a couple of business days. So if I were to do it tomorrow, Wednesday, we'd get it by the weekend or or by next week. So yeah, does uh, anybody feel confident in making a? Uh, a motion. This is not necessarily something that Dr. Marston needs a vote from us, but I think certainly uh, in terms of support and knowing that we're somewhat aligned in this. Uh, do I hear a motion? So Leo moves that uh, we support Dr. Marston in applying for the waiver. Do I hear a second? And a second? Okay, all in support? Aye. 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 Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Motion yes. passes. And Tim, you want to? Tim? No, let's just make And then I want to open it to public comment. It may come up for future agenda items, but it would probably make sense to try to invite if we had somebody from Board of Health on either 11, 18, or that first in December, just to yeah. keep the conversation yeah. Yeah. moving. Yeah. And, and see uh, where we can um... Maybe the week after Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's see how that. Um, yeah, so, okay. Uh, do I have public comment? Thank you. Would like to come up and simply um, all you have to do is introduce yourself, give us your address, and then three minutes. Sure, thank you. Sure. Uh, my name is Flavia de Silva Benson. Um, I'm a resident here at Medfield for 16 years. I have three kids in the Medfield school system, Dale Blake in the high school. Um, and this is actually my first time attending a school committee. And I came tonight to talk about the mask mandate, and I was waiting for this session, not as a parent, but as a professional. I've been an attorney for the past 17 years. I'm also a certified healthcare and environmental services professional. I've been working in regulatory compliance at EPA, FDA, OSHA, and risk assessment and inspection prevention for the past six years. The focus of what I do had primarily been in the healthcare space, um, but following so much misinformation from the media, governmental bodies, all that stuff throughout this pandemic, um, the need for environmental infection prevention experts have really kind of uh, Breach, you know, broadened so uh, in pretty much every sector outside of healthcare. Um, so I'm here today to speak as an expert in my field. So for you to understand what it is that is that we do as environmental infection prevention experts, we consult um, in providing holistic, full infection prevention solutions for initially started in healthcare, but now we do it throughout the country and through other different sectors. So what we do is we look into um, what are your protocols, what are your processes, what are your products, what's your equipment, what's your indoor air quality. We assess your environmental hazards and pathogens, biological assessment and testing. And then we look at everything and put a process together for you. So it's everything from disinfectants to your indoor air quality, to your HVAC, um, to um, your PPE. Everything we're looking at to make sure you're really ensuring proper infection prevention on a, a really, not on a corrective measure, but you wanna make sure that you're being, um, uh, you know, getting ahead of it. Um, so the reason I wanted to come here and talk about the mask policy is because there's been so much misinformation from the CDC, from regulatory 
um, guidelines from OSHA, from you name it, even from our Board of Health, from our state, everything. So just to give you an example, a recap of 2020, you know, no one should wear masks, only healthcare workers should wear masks. Everyone should wear masks of any type, only N95s for healthcare workers. Vaccinated people don't need masks. Vaccinated people need to use masks indoors. All students and teachers should wear masks in school. So let's talk a little bit about SARS-CoV-2. Okay, one, so one we, more minute. Oh, that'd be a sorry. We no, I'm gonna finish my statement. I'm sorry. We've all learned that it effectively spreads in the air. We know that. Um, we also learned it's very, very tiny, 0.1 micron size. So what does that mean for the purposes of masks? That means that if in terms of particular matter, they are able, those viruses are able to get into nooks and crannies um, if you're not wearing a properly fitted mask. And I hate to put you on the spot, Dr. Martin, but you've been the worst offender today. Every time you talk, your mask goes down. So it's really not effective in preventing what we think we're preventing in terms of really having a, a buttoned up protocol. And my point there is not that masks don't work. On the contrary, they do. 30 seconds. But it has to be like an N95, something that's properly fitted for your face, something that really is doing what it's supposed to do. So that there's a, a couple of studies that I'm gonna share with you really quick. The CDC actually published this on their, um, on their website. Um, and it's a study on effectiveness, effectiveness of cloth masks for protection against severe acute respiratory syndrome. Essentially what they say is that um, cloth masks may provide some protection if well-designed and used correctly. Okay. Now, Thank you, Gloria. Just I by looking at all of you here, I know that those cloth masks are not properly fitted and they're not really the way Thank you, Flavia. That is not done yet. No, I'm sorry. The other study that they published. No, I'm sorry. We're not talking about masks and we're not sharing opinions and we're not doing back and forth. We're just talking about masks. No, I'm sorry. What I'm telling you. Owen, can you stop the Zoom for just a moment? All right. Actually, Flavia, are you done with your statement? I was not done yet. Okay, well, then I'm going to stop because the at this point, the chair has said three minutes. If we don't give everybody actual, okay. actual time. Can I, can I give her my three minutes, please? Uh, no, you may not. If you'd like to come up and give a three-minute public statement, there's no reason that this has to be confrontational, but we do want to give everybody three minutes. Okay. Right? Okay, Owen, you can turn it back on now because we've got a second. All right. Would you like to state your name and please pull your mask up? Would you like to state your name and your address? I'm Hello, on Indian Hello, I'm going to finish reading what she was not able to. A mask mandate that fails to address the actual effectiveness of what the mandate is supposed to accomplish is another example of the hygiene theater that we are seeing around the country in every industry. As an example, applying disinfectants for the sake of applying disinfectants without concern for safety of the products used by the workers, passive exposure, or even properly achieving the needed dwell time. An ineffective mask mandate is a theatrical production of the biggest proportion. This is why you have study after study that shows no change in effective rates of masks versus unmasked in community settings. If the intent is to ensure that masks are blocking aerosols, then the mandate must be specific as to what type of masks really work. What I've seen in the schools are ill-fitted masks cloth masks and improperly used masks. That is not an effective personal protective equipment program. For this reason, the mask mandate should not be in any way be extended. 
That's it. Yeah. You have um, one more minute. Would you like to continue? Is there anything you'd like to say? I would like to maybe, when someone has something to say, just let them finish. That's my recommendation. As a community, right? We're having a discussion. Can we just pretend that it's Noon Hill Grill that I've seen you all there without masks on? And it hasn't been a big deal. Can we pretend that it's Noon Hill Grill and take the masks off? I just want to make one. Other no, point. No, I'm sorry. I'm Flavia, you guys this is a meeting, a public meeting. Experts. I am an expert in this field. This is what I do. All right. So Thank you, Flavia. This is a public meeting. So, do I have somebody else who would like to come up and do a three minute statement? No? Okay, thank you all very much. I'm sorry that you feel like you would have preferred more time. Yeah. You need to be yeah. equal. Out your jackets. Okay. All right, thank you very much. The next item is under um, old business. It's the new elementary school update. Uh, Dr. Morrison or uh, LMA or Leo. So I'll just, I'll just say that um, last week uh, we were in front of the Mass School Building Authority Board of Directors in which our project, uh, which is the new elementary school at the Wheelock campus uh, was presented to MSBA um, and was approved by MSBA unanimously. So just really happy that we, we got through that um, <clears throat> that milestone in this project. And I know that certainly we have our town meeting coming up this week and we've been, you know, having lots of conversations with people and presentations and community forums and everything else. So um, it all comes down to Sunday. All right, in chairs. I do want to mention that, um, you know, we did get letters of support from Denise Garlick and Sean Dooley and uh, Mr. Feeney and also Jake Offenclaw. So, I thought that was very um worthwhile to, to mention. Mm -hmm. uh, All point. supporting the project. Yes, yes. correct. The, the, the new elementary project at, at the Wheelock campus. <laughs> All right. Um, now we uh, would anybody like to make any comment about the elementary school project right now? Do you have a or you still encourage everyone to get up? Oh. All right. Yeah. If anybody would like to approach the podium and oh. for um, three I, I, minutes, I, mean, I just I just want to know. No, I'm sorry. I have to. I have yeah, to. you do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm John uh, Byrne at 21 Hearthstone Drive. Uh, Hi, John. Uh, so I, I'm trying to understand the um, the project before Sunday. My wife and I are planning on going to vote uh, to be there for it. Um, the only real information that, and I know I understand that this committee is likely more going to be on the pro, the yes side. Um, so I, what I'm trying to understand, I, when I look at these types of situations, I always try to understand both sides. And I'm not getting a lot of really clear information on the, the no side. The, um, the information that I've been able to gather seems like, <clears throat> forgive me, but it seems more propagandish than it does like actual information. Um, 
And so is I'm just wondering if there's anybody from that the no side or from the yes side on that. No, on on the 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 no side. Okay. So you no meaning a vote that would not that keeps it at Dale. Whatever the, the no side, I think, is the one that keeps it at Dale. No, it kills the project. Kills the project. Yeah, That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, right. Kills. Right. Um, right. Yes. So, is there is there anything that you folks can provide that kind of gives a more kind of global scope of uh, of kind of big big picture? Is there anything that you guys I can, can I can put some of this up later. Pretty much. Okay. So Sunday's vote, Sunday's vote is um, to vote yes to build a new elementary school at the Wheelock site yeah. and take advantage of the almost $20 million from the MSBA. A no vote forgoes that. That's essentially it. Yeah. Uh, do you want to, uh, actually, I know that Dr. Um, Marston sent out, just a, um, yeah. sent out a daytime email in place. Uh, that was daytime in place. Okay. Um, which is all that as a committee we can actually okay. so provide. However, there mm -hmm. is uh, all of the information is on the website for the uh, new elementary school project. Right. That, but of course, that's going to be more the yes side. It's going to show you the entire process. Well, we, as a committee, everything. we've we've approved yes. and uh, are in favor of the project for reasons that have accumulated over. <clears throat> Three years. Third the, party. Can so, I can I just suggest enter. that yeah. um, so the Warrant Committee, the independent right. body, okay. um, Switzerland, they did their yeah. they did an, a, a deep dive okay. on water repurposing Dale, you know, open space, okay. etc. The you know and those are all the kind of points that I've been hearing that are yes. Right. Yeah. So I would highly suggest going on the Warrant Committee's school project subcommittee website. Mm -hmm. They've got videos, they've got minutes where they have timestamps of who spoke when, what, you know, under what topic. And I, I think that is what you're looking for, okay, that independent a list of questions and answers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, to find answers. And then their summation is on October the 14th, which is a really important, um, you know, that all their findings. And actually, the Warrant Committee tomorrow night is making is voting on. Um, their hearing the, yeah, was not last week, but the, the warrant committee is going to vote decision. tomorrow night in terms of how they're going to lay on this decision. All right, cool. Thanks. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you, Mr. Byrne. Okay. Um, let's see. So, Dr. Marston, we're going to move on to donations. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I ask that you approve the following donations um, $390 from Wheelock Angel Fund to Wheelock Student Activity Account. $2,250 from the Wheelock PTO to offset costs for the permit for Tuxet field trips. $468.86 from the Memorial PTO to the Memorial School Gift Account to support Memorial Crayon Grant. I ask that you approve as presented. All right, do I hear a motion to approve the donations as presented by Dr. Marston? Move in a May. Second. Uh, you guys want to flip for that or I'll just call it Megan. All right. And then all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Uh, motion is approved unanimously. And we will move on to informational items. Um, and if I can just give a, a couple quick ones. Uh, how many of us will be at the MASC either virtually or in person this week? So you'll be there. I'll be there. Which is why we're meeting tonight. You're virtual. 
and anime is like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I'm so busy. This is no. the first one I've missed. <laughs> I know. You're fast. And you are not. All right. Um, so we will be there. There's, um, and then uh, this week uh, we spoke about the um, school committee uh, presenting a kind of a wrap up. Um, so what I'll do is I'll workshop that each with each of you just to kind of give you a heads up and if you could kind of give me feedback about that individually and not amongst everyone, I would very much appreciate it. And uh, I'll probably be scrambling to do that sometime before the weekend. So I don't think that there's anything that hasn't been said so far, but if you have points that you would like me to make in uh, four minutes, and I did speak with the moderator and uh, he thinks it's a good thing that the school committee also has a voice in this. So, obviously. Right. Uh, informational items from anybody else? Dr. Marston? I have none at this time. Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard from Carrie. Hi, Carrie. How's it going? Yeah. How are you over there? We should really get you kind of over, yeah, on, over in this kind of <clears throat> start pulling yeah, up long. a little further. Have you been in the senior lounge? Um, what is the senior lounge? It's, it's like that place that like, like you hear about, room. but you I never get invited. Is it like the teacher's room? Like you don't really know what happens in there. But... No, it's pretty out in the open. Yeah, it's it's right right in the lobby. Oh, is it just right up here? Yeah, the upstairs. upstairs. Oh, um, very like fancy. There's a lot of underclassmen there. So oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like we lost. Made, or... We made a sign for Pepe that says like seniors 2022. Oh, buzz off. Didn't work there. <laughs> so people know. <laughs> oh, they know. Yeah. <laughs> is the senior lounge? It's like official senior lounge. It is. Yeah, there's yeah. like a plaque there. There's a plaque. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Policy discussion. Yeah, he had a Andrew Keogh when he was principal. JJI. Yeah. 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 During, during policy, that's when you could have said something about added to the handbook. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't have to think, but I felt like poor Carrie didn't have a, a lot to say today. So I wanted to give her the opportunity. So I didn't want to. Uh, part of me was like, I didn't want to put you on the spot immediately when. Uh, when Dr. Parza, uh, Dr. Parga, uh, Mr. Parga, and uh, Ms. Worthley and Ms. Hagen were speaking, um, because I didn't want you to be the one to be like, is that right, Gary? <laughs> uh, and I know that's a really awkward place to be, but I also know that we've, we've had some pretty good discussions yeah. about some of these things. So, do you have anything that that struck you during that conversation? No. Yeah. How's your soccer coach? <laughs> I hear he is absolutely no good. Oh, sorry. Oh, is he here? Sorry. <laughs> so, just congratulations on making it playoffs. Thank you. I'm assuming this is a congratulation in order because this is coaching. what I know about sports. I this much. <laughs> What's the general vibe amongst the seniors? I can remember my daughter graduated last year, and this is a stressful time. With yeah, um, well, today's November 1st, so that's when like all the oh, god, it's November 1st, yeah, yeah, Sorry. which is crazy, but um, yeah, I think like with Pep Rally and Spirit Week last week, it was like everyone was in very like good vibes, yeah. <laughs> good. Um, and then now, once we get past November 1st deadline, it's like even better. What are you doing here? Do you have a couple you're gonna you know, I told you, you always take your No, time. I'm good. I I only have one more. 
last reading that you just said put my parents' credit card in. Almost in before midnight, you're fine, right? Yeah. Very good. Well, best of luck yeah. and best of skill. Thank you. You'll be fine. Truly. Um, Thank you. Other informational items? Other than the fact that I haven't eaten at Moon Hill Grill in about six years, <laughs> um, which I want the record to reflect. <laughs> I reckon I've had lunch there with my mouth off. There it is. <laughs> I do love you. It's hard to eat with your mask on. It is. Anyway. Hey, moving on. Uh, anything else? Megan, I, I, and Tim, if you could actually just a, a quick uh, end thing. If you could think about what the next tranche of um, policies are that you would like to maybe present at the next meeting. Okay. That would be helpful. And we can just kind of get that first reading going. Um, MA. Everybody come on Sunday. It's that's it's it. Just it's gonna be fun. I mean, <laughs> all right. You have officially superseded <laughs> me in like fun and municipal geek. Oh gosh, we're, we're not meeting before that. I don't believe. So. I will certainly uh, ask if that is something that we can do if that happens to happen. But I do not believe that we have any specific reason to meet at this point. So we would obviously announce that by what? Thursday. Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Today is today? Monday. Wednesday. I'm a little off because usually this would be Thursday. Yeah, I don't think we need to. Yeah, I don't think so. No. I mean, there's nothing that we. No, because you're going to fly by. We can always. Yeah. We always kind of set that side apart, but I don't that time apart. But I think for this one, we're okay. Okay. So good vibes, good vibes for our uh, future kids, for our town, and for just generally participating in the process of being a legislative body. Right. Um, future agenda items. Next time, uh, aside from following up on the policies that we uh, postponed, or the one policy that we postponed, uh, we will have the middle school opening update and SBR follow-up. Um, and that's on November 18th, the superintendent's evaluation and uh, the um, student advisory uh, update in December. Um, and I know, Dr. Morrison, we were contemplating moving that back uh, a week, but we should take a look at it. There were some things that we thought uh, might be timed a little bit better if we moved it a week up into the month sorry of course that's also you know prime holiday season so we'll try to be respectful of that um but and we'll let you know that uh and then uh health advisory committee would be in either january or february okay all right uh you're going to try to leave board of health for the 18th we can uh contact them and sure. we can also talk about whether that needs to be would we have a better idea of kind of where we're going right now, November 18th or December 1st. I think we should probably either one. Yeah, cool. And uh, the next meeting uh, will be um, November 18th at 7 p.m. And at that point, we will know how both of these votes go. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, do I hear a motion to adjourn? So moved. <laughs> All right, I'll let Leo have this one. Do I have a second? I second. All right, Tim, seconds.
All right, all in favor, don't anybody leave before all in favor. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, motion passes unanimously, unanimously, and the meeting is adjourned at 9.01. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Andrea. Michael.